What up, bruh? What up, bruh? And welcome to Bruh Meets World. What is Bruh Meets World? Your Boy Meets World fan cast. Uh, this is episode 25. I'm Siege. And I'm TC. And we have a guest this episode. Yes, we have our very first guest. And Yay! I'm so excited that we finally were able to figure this out. Hey, guys. It's Christine. Old high school friend of CJ and TC. Happy to be here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hope I can uh, shed some insight onto something. I don't know what, but we'll find out. Yeah, this is our, our friend, Christine. Uh, yeah, we've known her for a very long time, and we are really happy that she's our first guest. I'm happy to be here, guys. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, and I was, I mean, I was, you know, me and CJ were saying how much we've been wanting to have a female perspective brought to the show, and I can't think of a better episode than this one to get some real insights. Let me tell you, I am thrilled that you guys chose this episode because this is one that sticks out in my memory, probably one of the most of all that. Which is interesting, right? Yeah, no, I think that's fantastic. That's great to hear. But um, so, Christine, why don't you give us your history with uh, Boy Meets World? I grew up watching Boy Meets World uh, at home. It was that, you know, nighttime sitcom growing up with my family. It was my introduction to American culture and what I should expect from school and friends and my social life. And uh, much like you, CJ, uh, Mr. Turner was my sexual awakening. Um, as a child. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, he wasn't my sexual awakening as a child, but it was more like, now that I'm older, I just realized that I definitely missed out a little bit. Mm, taking some fresh eyes <laughs> at some old dick in a new way. I see you. I see you. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. Uh, but also, all right, and then, uh, Christine, how was high school for you? Um, you know, I really enjoyed high school. Um, I had—I was lucky enough to have a lot of friends. Um, I feel like it was as good as it was going to be. I didn't really. <laughs> you know, when, That's the best response <laughs> I've ever heard towards high school. It's as good as it was going to be. Right, what can you expect from high school, right? You're a little awkward. You come into yourself and then you get older and you realize that self's not, yeah. not anybody yet. <laughs> Exactly. I think that that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, so, are you guys ready to get into this? Let's, let's deep dive, bro. Let's go. I'm ready. All right. So, the tell me about it. Uh, this is season two, episode two, pairing off. Uh, we open up with Corey and Sean looking on as a teenage couple makes out in the hallway. It seems as if all of their peers are pairing off. While Sean's hair is shown to have a strong influence on the girls at their school, Corey and his lack of movable hair struggles to keep up. Sean suggests that Corey pair off with the new girl, which Corey rebuffs for someone he feels a little bit more convenient and approachable, his friend Topanga. But Topanga says that she values their friendship and uses her magical hair to gain the attention of a different male classmate. Meanwhile, Eric and his new friend Rebecca arrive to the Matthews house to study, once left alone, Rebecca asks to see the other rooms in the house, leading the two upstairs. Corey eventually walks in on Eric and Rebecca making out in his parents' room, and he later uses this information to blackmail Eric into telling him how to get girls. The next day, Corey uses Eric's advice to seem interested to secure a date with the same new girl Sean suggested earlier in the episode. That evening, Amy and Alan discover an earring in their bed, which Amy correctly assumes belongs to the teenage girl Eric brought home the day before. 
The parents walk into the room and confront Eric about his actions with Rebecca, only to have Corey come in and inform them that he witnessed the event and used Eric's advice to get a date. When Corey admits that he didn't even know the name of his potential date, the family has a discussion on the proper way to treat women. The next day, when the new girl arrives for their date, Corey cancels it, admitting that he tried to force a connection and instead offers to get to know the new girl whose name is Wendy. So, first thoughts. So many thoughts. So many (laughs) feelings. So this is a really different episode. But of course, since TC and I always talk, uh, we want to give the floor to Christine. Tell, Tell us more. Oh, man. Uh, This episode brought up a lot of those awkward feelings that I had in middle school and what I thought like romance was going to be like as a teenager. Um, And I'm realizing now where all of those tropes came from. And they're they're impossible. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I was certainly not dating casually. Uh, my first day of high school. <laughs> no, not at all. Who was? I mean, apparently, you know what? I'm not going to lie. Christine has uh, the flowy hair, but TC, you and I don't have the Sean hair. So, like, no. Just... And can I just tell you that I strongly related to Corey, and I made a note about how I wanted Sean's quote unquote good hair. Dude, which you know about. The very first note that I have, and I don't know if you noticed but in my summary of this episode i mentioned hair several times because the hair in this episode is such a a a strong point for me and i related to his struggles so much not being able to move your hair yeah it was very very uh traumatizing for me and as uh christine said it really did kind of shape my expectations um which yeah for better or worse i think yeah, that's a very, very good point. Um, so, in the roll call, we do get some new characters in this episode. We get the new girl, who we eventually, at the end of the episode, find out is named Wendy. And we get a, a new substitute teacher named Miss Kelly. Uh, Wendy, I recognized as being the mean girl from the movie Casper with Christina Ricci. <laughs> I, knew I don't she know if familiar. you remember. She did look but familiar. Yes. Yes. That's where she's from. I'm sure she's done other things. I'm sure she's a great actress, but that's all I know of her from. She was sort of like the epitome of a beautiful girl. Yeah. In the 90s, right? Yeah, just blonde, blue eyes, pale as if the sun had never (laughs) gazed upon her. You know, it's funny that you guys mention good hair because I even felt like to some extent that I wasn't that, that girl. I wasn't what everyone looked for for the high school bombshell. Yeah, I mean, the word bombshell immediately makes me think of blonde. Right. Well, you've been blonde before. Well, you know, with the help of bleach. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when you're willing to strip away everything that God gave you, it's amazing what, you know, you can conform to. You know, thousands of years of evolution have nothing on 40 volume and a scoop of bleach. Preach. Preach. And, uh, self-perception and confidence <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah no no i um the the hair thing was just something i really really gravitated towards because i think we we've talked about this before in the podcast but like identity and um the three of us are each minorities who went to a predominantly white uh schooling system predominantly white uh area in general 
And that really influenced kind of like, as you were saying earlier, self-confidence and self-perception. And I, one of my earliest memories as a kid was like, I never wanted to quote unquote be white, but I did want the hair. Like I wanted that Jonathan Taylor Thomas hair. (laughs) Well, I learned from uh, the lead singer of Immature, Marquise Houston, that you did not need to be white to have that hair. I knew this because I grew out my hair with the hopes of straightening out so that I could look like the lead singer of this group. I don't know if you guys remember, he played Roger on Sister, Sister. He had beautiful flowing hair. I don't know how it happened. You think I tried it and I burnt my scalp once and then I never <laughs> attempted this again. Did you not learn anything from what, like the second episode of uh, Boy Meets World? No, it was like the fourth episode of Boy oh, Meets World. Oh, for the alternative friends? No, exactly. I mean, this was, I, I wanted it so badly because again, on this show, the more tra- the people who are perceived to be more attractive are the people with the straight hair. Yeah. The people who are perceived to be less attractive is Corey with his curly hair. Yeah. And by which, the way, what let's are we get into up there? that yeah, a little yeah. bit. What, because... we, what do you guys have to say about that? Oh, God, too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this is for. We're, we're supposed to hit on these points. So, yeah, what do you think about that? Well, I think that the episode does a really good job of talking about just how clueless you are when you're trying to fit in and how you sort of grasp onto things that you see your friends doing that are working for them and you see it, uh, you know, turning out positively and you want those positive experiences too, but how do you do the hair flip when your hair is curly, you know? It's a very strong, like... Corey immediately turns to Sean and is just kind of like, all right, well, how do you do that? And then there, there's a big deal about how Sean, Sean has a 30 foot radius, right? It's just like a- That I thought was fucking hilarious. That this kid literally <laughs> is in Corey Matthews driveway, flips his hair and there's a girl, Sean, is that you? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really funny. Again, same thing with Topanga. Topanga is just like, she just is not even faced that direction. She just kind of flips her hair and she's talking to Corey. And then all of a sudden this dude out of nowhere is just like, oh my God, Topanga. And it does. And then we get that whole scene right before Topanga shows up of Corey doing the best he can to like just kind of imitate it. Um, and can I ask you guys a question before we get too far ahead? When did you guys feel like, oh, everyone is coupling up. I need to catch up. I think it was fifth grade. Really? Yeah. I had a little group of friends. Maybe it speaks a bit to the elementary school that I went to. But I had a group of friends and, you know, they they paired up and it was just holding hands during movie time kind of. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like heavy stuff. Heavy boy. (laughs) Heavy stuff. Um, uh, And then I think it was eighth grade when I realized people were having their first kiss. And, like, I had not yet kissed a boy, let alone, like, held hands with a boy, um, except, like, as a flower girl in a wedding. What about you, Siege? Where where did this land for you? When I think back on these things, it's very confusing time for me because I think I measured things differently. There was so much of, like, me internally dealing with, like, sexuality that I don't really think I noticed that people were, like, pairing off. I will say that, like, by 16, it was very clear that everyone had established 
dates, you know what I mean? Like they were dating boyfriend, girlfriend and all this other stuff. But earlier than that, I think I was just in my head more than anything else. You know, I, I, also there's like a, a more darker history with me, but like, there are like all these other things where it's like, yeah, kissing and all this other stuff. I had been doing that since I was like seven years old. So I didn't really think, oh my God, all these other people are pairing off. I need to make sure I attach myself to someone. Yeah, because I'm more on your boat where I didn't feel like people were like coupling off and like dating, dating like that until like 15, 16. Yeah. And that's when like people were actually going out on dates more than anything else. Um, But before that, like I, there were crushes, but nothing really more than just like that feeling of wanting to be with someone, not actually like. Oh, so yeah, I'll pick you up and we'll go out and like what? Like that seems like that's what I'm saying. They seem crazy young for this. This is seventh grade for them, and this just seems way too young for them to be like, yeah, people are making out in the hallways. They're hooking up left and right. <laughs> They're together one day, breaking up the next day. Like that seems a little bit mature for that age group, at least to me. But you know what? Honestly, I think it's a very important thing to remember that at this point in time, we've already established that the boys are in seventh grade. However, the school goes all the way up to 12th grade. So what we're seeing here, crazy problematic. What we're seeing here is this older, the 16, 17 year olds who are pairing off and the kids are in school and they're imitating that behavior because you're right. When I think about it to like seventh grade, Uh, I just thought about it. We were doing group dates, not really, which weren't really group dates, you know, but it's like you would get like a group of people to go out to the movies and that's what everyone was doing. And you wouldn't be in part of that group, but like, and people would like talk and hang out a little one-on-one within that outing, but you weren't asking one person one-on-one to go out. Well, I mean, this uh, is a, prime example i think of television setting some really interesting expectations to kids yeah um, about what high school is and i also think what romance is totally well yeah well we're gonna get into that a little bit later but i like the way that they handle um the expectation of boys in this episode um they don't do it as quickly as i think is is needed but there is this whole um expectation of cory that he's old a girl like the very early on cory's like where do where does mine come from you know where do i find out the girl assigned to me that's what uh he says and i was like whoa assigned to you what what is this this is it's a really funny part because he's like oh yeah i'm just gonna go after topanga um and topanga's like cory when guys and girls go out first they fall passionately in love then after a week they hate each other so for one great passionate week we lose a friendship that could last a lifetime i mean if you are (laughs) cory don't worry i'm sure there's someone out there for you give me a name Again, he, he just wants somebody because everyone else has somebody. He doesn't actually want a girlfriend. He just wants a person so he is, doesn't feel left out. Which is important, especially this is one of those things where this is very relevant because of the fact that incel culture. Do you guys know what incel culture is? School me, Siege. All right. Incel culture is involuntarily celibate. 
individuals. So they call themselves incels. And their whole thing is that they are angry. They are majority white men who are angry that they, that girls aren't pairing off with them, that girls aren't sleeping with them, that girls won't go out with them. When you say involuntarily celibate, you just mean virgin, right? <laughs> yeah. like, why, why are we trying to... They just haven't gotten laid yet. Like, Well, so here's the thing. Part of the reason I feel that they are involuntarily celibate is because they do things like name themselves involuntarily celibate and then complain about the fact that women aren't giving them this service that they think that they're owed. Um, and like, yeah, we used to just call that virgin, but you know, it's 2018. We rebrand everything. (laughs) Wow. That is ridiculous. I'm sorry. I do not mean to offend any involuntarily so, but listeners, however, no. So I want to make it very clear. The reason why incels are uh, important to bring up is because incels are different from what the nation would classify as virgins because virgins kind of as you said they see it as i haven't had sex yet there's like an age-appropriate time it's still a cultural problem but they and a person who considers themselves a virgin is doesn't have the anger that incels do and with incels uh, a lot of the local uh i'm gonna call them terrorist attack white domestic terrorism um, has been from these incels. And it comes from this culture of expecting something. Yeah, expecting women to give them something. They are owed a woman. They are assigned. They are angry that no one has assigned them their woman yet. It's a really aggressive like way to think about relationships, like that you're owed someone to dedicate time to you, to be physically romantic with you, and completely disregards like what what a girl would want or what the person of interest would want who who even cares <laughs> this 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 show is their name doesn't matter how they feel doesn't actually matter just make them think you're interested because it doesn't it doesn't like it's just getting someone to say yes is the goal, not an actual relationship. And it's the idea that women are something to be wanted, that we don't have our own wants, that we don't need advice to find a guy because we could look in someone's direction and someone's willing to fuck us. To, to, to <laughs> quote Princess Jasmine, I am not a prize to be won. <laughs> and yet that dynamic is just, you know, it's in every bit of pop culture yeah yeah, yeah no, no totally. I, that's why i said i really like when we get into this i like that later on we address this and they have first of all they have amy be the voice of reason which i think is really important but i like the fact that we do bring this up because right now the picture that we're painting with Corey and in this hallway is the fact that even if you take like when he approaches topanga he goes to topanga and he's like honey can I call you honey? And she says no. And he's like, anyway. <laughs> Welcome to my life. Welcome to every interaction I've had with a man. That makes what me I so thought sad. was a really interesting takeaway from that too is that after Topanga kind of blows him off, he goes to he says to Sean, like, for the record, I broke up with her. And Sean's like, that's how I saw it. And I was like, wow, this is such like a true statement of how men handle rejection from women. It's just to be like, oh yeah, no, I blew her off. You know, she's, she's crazy. She, you know, she's all these things. It's, it's just a micro version of that, a high school version of it. 
So I feel bad because I didn't mark that down as like a funny bit to me because I was just like, that's definitely a friend who's like, that's how I saw it. But at the exact same time, you bring up a very good point that no, it does just kind of perpetrate this culture of men sticking together against the women. It's like her story doesn't matter um, because we're going to agree that you turned her down. Even though she's living her life and like doesn't even care about them too. Which I like. Again, this is another example of how Boy Meets World isn't rushing this relationship that everyone wants to happen. Um, they could have easily made Corey and Tanga become a thing right off the bat season two, but they're holding off on it. And I like that so much more. Yeah, well, I like that. And then also, I like that Topanga's response is, look, we have a friendship. And she says, we have a friendship and I don't want one week of passion to just throw that all away. And Corey's response is, I'm game. It's like, you know, again, it's just this childish, immature way of looking at, honestly, his relationship with Topanga, um, which shows, you know, there's that whole thing that women mature more than men. But I think it's just that, no, women are taught the value of another person's friendship, whereas at this point in time, boys are just rewarded with women, apparently. It definitely set up this dynamic for me where guys were the aggressors let them come to you like don't like your sexuality is something to be one and not something to be overtly confident about or to hit on guys because they'll come to you and then of course none of them ever came to me because you in a brow and an overbite but But it is like I, you know, I think that that's just something I'm now learning as a 30 year old woman to be confident and that we like girls have wants too. And we're sexual creatures and we're just we can be just as aggressive as men, but like maybe we just have like more respect. Well, the just as aggressive as men thing uh, will be approached later on in the season. But what that's framed as is psycho girlfriend. You know, and I think that that's something that uh, culture kind of doubles down on as well. It's like if a guy is aggressive and assertive with a relationship, well, especially if he's a good guy, then you're supposed to be rooting for him. But if it's a girl who's just like can't get enough of a a male, then she's a stalker and it's kind of crazy. Stage five clinger. (laughs) Very good. Yeah, yeah. All right. So how about speaking of all of this in the next scene when we go to health class, which, by the way, I have lots of thoughts about this health class. We get a substitute teacher named Miss Kelly. And with Miss Kelly, we again, we get some nice back and forth. But, we uh, get a nice view of the back of her ass is what we get. <laughs> and all the kids get that view. They're staring hard at it. Sean gets hard and legit tries to hook up with this teacher saying, I'm a 24-year-old cop. <laughs> yeah, so first of all, I did think the 21 Jump Street thing was Sean thinking very quick on his feet. I mean, it's stupid, but it's it's hilarious. Um, but I also like it because it kind of echoes what Christine was saying, which is that there's this older woman who just knows how to handle this kid. You know, it's just like she doesn't engage. He is definitely pursuing her hard and very rightly so because she's a teacher. And I, I think that this is the only right response. Uh, she knows how to put him in his place and then like just kind of give him the attention that he needs as a student, but ignore everything else. It was also... Just wildly inappropriate. <laughs> 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 and you just think about, 
like, you know, when you're that age and you have a cute teacher, you're like, I'm going to flirt. It's harmless. And now I think about it. I'm like, that probably made them feel so uncomfortable. And yeah. they're thinking about losing their jobs and just <laughs> being perceived in the wrong way. And it's played so lightly in that scene. <laughs> well, my biggest complaint with this scene is that the sub comes in and she's like, okay, guys, we're going to be talking about human reproduction. Why is a substitute teacher being entrusted to teach this topic that is so important for kids to, like, get right? You know what I mean? Like, this is just a, a, a great example of how public education did not prepare us at all for any kind of real-life sexual situations. They just kind of taught us the basic minimum back so they can like say they did it but still leave so much vague and unanswered that's what i was going to say my answer to that is they don't mind if a substitute teacher teaches it because they don't expect they don't expect it to be a well-prepared thought-out lesson that really dives into the questions you may have and you know they it's one of those things that this is probably the only time those kids got that lesson and everything else just moved on because that's how we treat sexual education in this country and especially in the 90s and it's really sad i remind you guys that like uh i don't know about everyone but i was part of respect in middle school <laughs> fun 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 uh, and for those of you who don't know respect uh was this whole kind of like it was the sexual version of dare where it's like you said you you like vowed you would stay a virgin um, until I don't know probably you said till marriage or not I don't know it was like very Christian based and um, until your biblical marriage is what you're trying to say. Can I give you an example <laughs> of something they did in respect? What they would do is like a woman. I remember seeing this. A girl had this cup that she was drinking yes, from, and yep. then I came up and spit in her cup because Ooh, I like when guys do that because <laughs> they had had intercourse and their fluids had blocked. But then another girl came and sat in the same cup and then all these people Not came because okay. when you hook <laughs> up with one person, you hook up with every person they've been with. And then they were like, now imagine having to drink that spit-filled cup. Whoa, is that what you're comparing <laughs> sex to? What the hell? Who was the sex-filled cup in this situation? Like, I think we just call that polyamory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's just a basic human relationship. I don't understand what you're expecting. Well, not only that, there is this whole thing about um, the guilt of being with more than one person or like the guilt of having more than one relationship in general, you know, like, well, no, towards women. Yes. Towards men, it's celebrated. Well, I mean, for the respect program, one thing I do remember is they did. It was kind of like gender neutral it wasn't they weren't like this no girl is bad <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> that's where they were their whole thing was that both both sexes both genders should wait the the way that they did it for me which i uh i remember because it's really really cheesy is that they uh gave someone like a paper heart or whatever and then like every time he went on a date or was with with someone he would give a piece of that paper heart but when he found his wife he didn't have anything but like this small shredded thing to give her. And they were like, do you want to give that? Or do you want to give like your whole heart? (laughs) God, I remember this. You're triggering very unpleasant memories for me. And and for the record, um, 
I feel like the opposite. It's like, hey, I have this cool tool belt to bring into this relationship. <laughs> or I have so much experience. Yeah. You're an idiot. Yeah, I, think I, 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 I know where the clitoris is, so I can bring that to this. <laughs> Which, by the way, I really think it's sad that we must know. That's actually probably advanced knowledge right now. It's like, oh, this guy knows where the clitoris is? Oh, what do we think about the whole... Um, the boy's understanding of the reproductive system and the Philippine tubes. <laughs> well, being a product of Philippine tubes, I appreciated the shout out in the show. Um, but I think this touches on something else is that for girls, all we learn about is that your vagina is going to bleed for the rest of your life. And here's how to handle that emotional and physical trauma. And I feel like boys were just like, you know, don't put it in the V without a sleeve or you're going to have a baby and you don't want to have a baby. That's, yeah, that's accurate. That's exactly what I learned from school about sex. I was meant to be used as a vessel to. Oh, God. That's a good way of saying it. I never noticed that. You're right. Yeah, I I am a vessel of all the men's dreams and nightmares. So. Wow, we are really tearing apart. And no, no, I love it. I think it's fantastic because this is exactly kind of the problem. I think, I believe they do things differently now. Uh, well, depending on where you live in America, they do things differently now. Um, but yeah, a very big part of health education was that whole thing that women, your body's about to go through all of these changes and you're just going to be a target for sperm for the like the next couple of years and then for the boys there's the only reaction to that is hey watch where you place that sperm (laughs) what's even that we can't get right most of the time (laughs) (laughs) i misplaced more sperm i don't even know what i couldn't find it if i wanted to (laughs) they're like they're like they're like immigrant children i can't find them guys they're lost it's the genocide we're not talking about. <laughs> Absolutely terrible, but hilarious. I love it so much. Um, um, so one, one, one thing I do want to say is that while there's all this discussion about sex, like, all, like Corey pulls the substitute aside, and all he wants to know is, like, how do I get a girl to say hi? Like, he is so, like, worried about, like, the basics that he doesn't care about ovaries. He doesn't care about sperm. Like, none of that is, like, an actual reality to him yet. Because he can't even get a girl to say hello to him. That is a positive about Corey specifically. Unlike Sean, where Sean's just like, oh, I grew out my hair one day and people started approaching me. And that gives me the confidence to approach this woman who is twice my age. Corey's like, he's humble. He does ask for help. Um, And he goes to his first, the first person he goes to after Sean gives him no advice, is this older woman. And he does ask her a question. And we don't hear what she says, but I do like that he went to someone who he trusted and was like, hey, can I ask you a question? How do I get girls to speak to me? Yeah, it it was just a very basic, like, oh, this is what a kid this age should want to know more than other stuff. Exactly. Speaking of older kids, let's talk about Eric and Rebecca. (laughs) <laughs> that chick was thirsty. Oh, man. She, I don't know if I was supposed to be that way at 17, but I definitely wasn't. And w- watching the episode, I think, younger, I was really naive to what that meant to go up to a bedroom and, like, 
just see the bedroom. I'm like, what could they possibly be doing? And I, again, was just blown away with how advanced Corey and his brother Eric. The moment Amy leaves with Morgan, this chick is like, I need a tour of your place. I need to go to your parents' bed. And you need to throw me on here and penetrate me. Uh, uh, and the uh, moment Amy left. I will left. not let you paint Rebecca that way. Because Rebecca does not say those things directly. What Rebecca says is, I'm paraphrasing. you show me the rest of the house? Eric chose the location. I think that it was clear that Rebecca was willing to go anywhere to make out with Eric. But... She did not specifically say, take me to your parents' room. That was where Eric chose to stop the tour. And I am not a tour guide. I can't dictate where the tour ends. Yeah, I I guess... (laughs) My thing is not that she is commanding her own sexuality. I have nothing against that. My thing is that Amy just left. (laughs) If someone, if your parents leave, like, you know, you have to have a time buffer of, like, hey... She may have forgot something. She might be on her way back. If she had forgot Morgan's sneakers, she would have walked in on Eric just the tipping into <laughs> Rebecca. The boldness. It's, it's yeah, it, bold. it's the boldness of it all. But also, I just remember what it's like to be young and horny. I mean, I'm still considered myself young and horny. And there have been plenty of times where it's like, a, oh, yeah, maybe I should have waited a little bit longer. Maybe, you know, the windows should be all the way rolled up. I'm, I'm not talking about my weekend. I'm just Never. saying. Don't, don't ever roll up your windows. <laughs> nope. Let the funk out. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> really brings out the worst in you, TC. <laughs> um, but one thing about Eric and Rebecca is that Corey walks in, finds them. Rebecca bolts so quickly like, Eric's like, hey, like, do you want to keep studying? Do you want to whatever? And she's like, no, no, I need to go. I don't think we should hang out again. I don't think that Corey was the reason that Rebecca left. I think that Eric wasn't very good, and she was looking for a reason to leave midway through it and used Corey as the excuse. Okay, so I want to pause right there because I want to hear Christine's interpretation of that scene because I did want – I wanted to think of what people – thought about her reasoning because I had my own idea uh, about why she left and you're right she was very persistent but I want to hear what Christine what what did you think well while we are talking about how aggressive the boys are and they're sort of the go-getters of romance I do feel like the girls in this episode are pretty confident like you know in the beginning Topanga doesn't want to have uh, a boyfriend in Corey and isn't apologetic about saying so. And even Rebecca with Eric isn't apologetic about her just wanting to go home. She's just over it, you know? And so I think they come off pretty confident and I think they're handled well and not, you know, look as these damsels in distress that need a boyfriend or are desperate for romance. Woohoo! Uh, what did you think about her... So what you're saying is that the fact that she wanted to leave is just the fact that she wanted to leave. There's no, yeah. no questioning it. You don't, you don't owe an explanation to him. You're not in a relationship. Yeah, you know, and honestly, I think, first of all, that was one of the f- biggest lessons I learned um, uh, while, I guess, sexually maturing or however you want to put it, was that I had um, a, a guy I was interested in 
who I was like, hey, do you like want to make out? We were at like this party or whatever. Was, like, do you want to make out or do you want to do anything? And he was like, no, I'm good. And I, and I personally was like so offended. And I was like, well, why not? And he his response was, what other explanation would be better than no? And right. that moment on, I was like, that's a very good response to that. And like, I was like, what more could you say other than no that would convince me? No was yeah. enough. And like, I think I'm just that, over it. I just don't want to. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's a very good point. She, we don't need to. I know TC is dying to explore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm loving the dialogue. (laughs) But it's like, yeah, we don't necessarily need to discuss her motivations because the point is, she didn't want to anymore. Can I? And a part part of what I got from her too is that perhaps she was very confident about what she wanted until she got it, and maybe she stopped feeling as confident. Is that a possibility? Uh, you know, I I took it as she just wanted to make out, and yeah. now that the buzz was over, the romance had died. Yeah, died. yeah, yeah. That's the moment little over. brothers do uh, dry you up pretty quick. <laughs> I'm I'm going to put you in a corner somewhere. You're like... Sorry, one other joke I just want to mention that was sprinkled throughout the episode is like every every uh, scene opened. Con, uh, Corey and Sean are like, oh, did you hear about like. Jesse and, and 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 Kate, or did you hear about so and so and so and so? And it's really funny because at one point they go, they're like, "Oh, did you hear about Michael and Lisa Marie?" Which I just thought was a really topical thing at the time because Michael Jackson and Lisa Marie had just gotten married, and so that was a a, a really funny like thing that was current at the that moment. That is, really... I did not even get make that comparison, and I hate that you did, but it makes. Oh so well, much of sense. course I did, <laughs> um, but I just thought that was really funny. Okay, so what do we think about? Uh, Jonathan fucking the sub. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, we, there's this whole um, point during the school that we kind of glossed over where the boys, uh, when Corey's like, I'm sure this whole pairing off thing won't last. And then we see Mr. Jonathan with Miss Kelly, which, by the way, I would totally watch that sex tape. Um, <laughs> oh, I agree. Me three. Yeah. <laughs> and then, there's some things for everyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm in it for the curls. There's a lot of curls going on. You're right. That is like there would be scenes that are just hairballs. But again, I'm like I'm, I'm here for it. Guys, hair porn is my favorite category on Pornhub. It's highlighted for me. <laughs> I mean, I'll have to check it out. I guys don't knock it to you, try. Um, then we see, which by the way, this kind of almost knocked me off my seat. We see Mr. Feeney come and he's talking to an older female administrator and his, his statement is, I'm, I have the virility of a man half my age. And I was like, that is a joke that you just are supposed to get that, uh, like if you're watching this as a young kid, you just say that, oh, Mr. Feeney is implying that he's younger or that, you know, but it's like a, knowing oh. the, as an adult, you're like, Feeney is like, yo, I fucks. <laughs> he's, he, he was dick slinging like a pro. <laughs> like the moment he came out, I was like, look at this brother, smooth, <laughs> smooth talking to this woman we've never met before. I don't believe we've met before. That's Feeney, hit it and quit it. <laughs> yeah, hit it and quit it, Feeney. Who knew? <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was definitely a, a scene. But that, that isn't. To your point, this is Corey. We're learning that this is going to be a lifetime struggle. Like love is not something that's going to be a fad that's going to you know blow over in a week. 
um, this is something that's always going to be an issue for him. Well, not only that, I think it's also this entire episode brings up something that I think we don't talk about enough, which is the issue of boys comparing themselves to other boys. We've always kind of had this trope of girls being influenced by other girls in high school uh, and things like that. But this episode really shows how Corey, this young, impressionable boy, is comparing himself to all the other boys around him. He's comparing himself to Sean. He's comparing himself to Eric. He's comparing himself to Mr. Feeney and Mr. Turner. Um, And I just think that that's really important that we get this look. Yeah, and I think even as a girl watching it, I could resonate with a lot of that awkwardness of not being the one that could flirt very easily or was confident or was, I was sort of awkward and I can relate to that awkwardness that Corey has, even as a girl. And just the idea of looking at, even from a pop culture perspective, of looking at his teachers and thinking like, oh, that's what someone experience looks like. That's what someone experience would do. And that's who I have to become if I want to have a relationship. Yeah. Let's talk about Amy and Alan this episode um so as we kind of said there's this whole scene well first of all a little thing amy like works at a gallery now apparently and no yes that's that's the move <laughs> no i took that is not her job amy does not work at a gallery we've established that she works part-time as a real estate agent now she's working at a gallery i feel like they do this the tv moms in the 90s like even like aunt viv she changed jobs like three times i'm certain of it like I just I don't understand why this emphasis is so strong on the on the father's figure's job, but again, just so whatever when it comes to what the mom does. That was my real issue with this was the fact that like we've established that Amy was a real estate agent, and they give her this line of dialogue, and I was like, oh, she's going to be showing houses, or you know, I just I expected them to like really go into she's tired. But explain it, you know, like the job and career that we've established for her, and it's not yeah, that there she was no can't reason for paint. them to make yeah. something new up. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, that was just very. That was a thing that I knew you and I would want to point out. But at the exact same time, I want to discuss their dynamic and Alan's whole insecurity thing. Uh, in oh, this well, scene. Go ahead. Well, before, wait, before we get into that, we should know, we need to discuss the conversation Corey has with Eric about how to approach women. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so Corey catches Eric, you know, mid-pen with Rebecca <laughs> in the bed, and he's like, bro, I have you. You need to give me advice on how to talk to women. Okay, you got eyes? Yeah. Use them. How? Look at her. Look into her. Look through her. I mean... Make her think she's the most exquisite thing your eyes have ever beheld. Who her? Who cares? Pick somebody. Well, how do I pick? You got eyes? I thought we established that. Make eye contact. Make her eyes believe that your eyes are interested in her. So I have to be interested in her? No, you're overachieving. You only have to make her think you are. And getting their name isn't important. Just real, just like (laughs) horrible, horrible uh, advice that Corey then uses to try to get a date with an actual girl. Um, and the worst part is it works. A hundred percent. Well, so what's, what I think is important, and I, I think it's bad because the episode kind of shows that it works. But in reality, what works was Corey just straight up asking her out. Now, yes, he was able to get her attention by staring her down, basically, and making her feel insecure. But um, it wasn't that she was like, 
it didn't have the same effect that Sean's hair flip did. You know what I mean? Where it's like a, these people are just drawn to him and like, oh, I'm at your will now. What happens is Corey actually musters up the confidence to ask her out, which was not what um, Eric told him to do. I think that that distinction needs to be made, but it's not. And I just thought that what's really funny is what's successful for Corey is when he just straight up is direct and is like, hey, would you like to go out sometime? And it's not this weird, creepy thing, which, by the way, obsessing about her hair and all this other stuff, that really creeped me out. I was like, I would have slowly backed out of the room. Yeah, I just thought all the advice Eric gave to Corey was awful advice, was advice that Eric didn't even, like, think himself. It was just something that maybe was told to him through some other guy that he had talked to. Like, it just felt like real machismo, 80s, you know... I, it just seems very, very dated. In to be fair, they also call it out, though. Again, like, when we get to the parent scene, which I, I do think it's important to um, talk about this, but when we get to the parent scene, they paint Eric's information. Like, by the end of the episode, Eric's not supposed to give any advice to anyone about anything. You know what I mean? And I think that that's important. Well, he's proven that he can't be trusted <laughs> a little bit. But no, okay, so... Alan and Amy are now in bed and they find this earring that uh, Rebecca had left in the bed from when Eric was doing her. And Amy's like, oh, this earring. And Alan's like, I, I, I don't know where it came from. And Amy's like, I'm not accusing you of having an affair. And he gets really sensitive and weird about it. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you talking about? Just today, some chick was throwing her tits in my face asking me where it's like... <laughs> If the bread was fresh, like, I, I can still get it. And Amy's like, I'm not saying that you can't. And he's like, well, you're hurting my feelings. And I'm like, what? Really? I told and you. What kind of, what wife says, like, this is for sure you and I'm okay with it? She seems to be, you know, she's obviously very lighthearted about finding the earring. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think it's, it's interesting because... Uh, first of all, we know how I feel about Alan's insecurities. I think that Alan is like the most insecure one out of this whole family dynamic. And a lot of the show is Alan like whining or complaining with Amy being the better, more understanding parent. I will say, Alan also looks better this season than he did. So I was like, oh, Alan. He got a haircut. He looks great. He had a very (laughs) Jonathan Turner type of mullet that they cleaned up in the back. And they're letting Jonathan take over the mullet right exactly this so season. this version of alan definitely could get some i'm sure there are plenty of girls in the grocery store who are just dying to get it on in the back room did you find alan to be dilfy oh very dilfy yes <laughs> chiseled features yes arms that look strong <laughs> sure 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 so yeah alan there's no but i think the thing that makes alan or that upsets me about alan is this strong. whole thing of being like a. I could I could totally have an affair. What, you don't think I'm able of having an affair? And it's just like, dude, why are you making problems for yourself? It's Your wife silly... loves you and trusts you. And why would you even? But like, again, it's, a silly it, plot device. it's not even a silly plot device because it really, it does echo Alan's previous behavior. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, I wasn't a fan of it. Wasn't a fan of any of it. But what I did find interesting was this whole, oh, well, uh, I'm going to go with you to talk to Eric because I know if you talk to him, you're just going to give him that wink, wink, haha. Don't yeah. don't have sex too early thing, which I thought is a very interesting thing to touch on. This whole culture that like 
the way men prepare their sons to date versus how they prepare their daughters to date. Well, yeah, the that different was, attitudes that come with that. That was my next point. My next point was going to be, I really, of course, I told you, I always love Amy. And I love that she was like, no, we're not going to do this whole thing where we kind of applaud Eric for getting a girl to go up to our room, but at the exact same time kind of paint it like we're angry. And I do, I really love that they insisted that Amy join the conversation. I just think that it's that belief that it's his son and this is what boys do. And uh, of course he would go in and like give him a high five and a pep talk. And I do wonder like what that would have, what that conversation would have been like if it was girl. Yeah, that's a very good point. If it was well, Rebecca. I, guys, we just need to accept that like pussy grabbing has been a part of our <laughs> traditions for now going back decades probably longer so this is just us seeing like how that you know mindset becomes intertwined with just what it means to be a guy and be a guy's guy and locker room, room talk, talk locker and all room that talk. jive yeah yeah and then of course amy is the logical smart one about it that is a little more diplomatic about what it means to flirt with girls and have relationships and Amy never has a bad day. Amy never has a, she's the voice of reason. She always has a voice of reason, but she never even is allowed to have a flaw because she is not developed enough to have those flaws. You know what I mean? Like Alan's allowed to make mistakes and learn from them. Amy never makes mistakes. She's just there to help Alan with his. Yeah. She's the moral compass. I think that that's definitely something we should um, look into because I do know that we do get some things with Amy later in the episodes, but you're right. As of right now, maybe Amy's painted as this all knowing great parent who is just, she balances work and her husband and you know, the kids and she never overreacts. Uh, unlike Alan, who's always overreacting. Uh, and that is something that I kind of want to look into. Like if I found out, Amy was having an affair, then all of this would make sense. That I would completely buy. Like, yeah, she's keeping up because she's getting that D low key. Like, I can understand that logic. Um, I'm ignoring you and then moving forward. <laughs> I just want to make that very clear. Um, well, oh, one other thing I was going to say. So when we get into the next scene where we're talking to the boys about this, and it kind of leads to what I think is the whole point of this episode, um, I do like it. It starts off with the parents coming in and being like, hey, do you want to tell us anything? And Eric's response is, not yet. <laughs> and you know me, I just like, and then they show the earring. He's like, oh, okay, so now I have some things. That would have not played with my parents at all. <laughs> they would have come in swinging, I think, if they found any of my or a guy's uh, property in their bed. I, I wouldn't be here today. One of the things I thought was really funny uh, was they were like, oh, nothing happened between me and Rebecca. Look at my face. Do I look happy? Yeah. That, that was a really funny joke. That That's a funny joke. But again, it's, it is kind of, it's problematic in a little bit. But it's also very funny. I did love it. Because Alan kind of verifies. He's like, the boy's fine. <laughs> and it's really interesting because they have this conversation and then immediately Corey comes in and he's like, hey, take it easy on this guy. He taught me how to get what I want from a girl. Like in the creepiest way possible. Well, again, I like how they show Eric's behavior 
influencing his little brother um which shows foolproof method is how it's referred to (laughs) and it's not just the fact like so the issue isn't just what eric did you know it's not just the consequences of what eric did it's what eric's teaching his brother who he shares a room with um and what that says about how all of these men think about women and i do like that they they kind of take this entire scene and they're like, all right, we're not going to sit here until you all understand that the way you're treating women is just not acceptable. Um, and again, kind of in a way, what Amy, even though it's Amy's idea, she insists that it come from their father, so they under you know, so that they really understand that another man is telling them the way you properly treat a woman. I would argue that. Helen still has a lot to learn there as well. Of course. That's kind of um, my whole argument. Because even that whole concept of just like, like he's like, I'm going to go talk to my boy. My boy! Like getting excited about this idea of his underage son plowing this underage girl <laughs> in his bed. Uh, to me, yeah. Maybe there's some learning he has to do still. Well, I mean, that's the whole point. Alan does have a lot of growing to do himself. But I think the whole, especially when Corey talks about all the information that he got from Eric, which, by the way, I do, I will say, this is a great bit with, like, Corey just going on and talking and talking like a younger brother would, and Eric just, like, saying his prayers and be like, does it matter? I'm dead. Like, like this yeah. little <laughs> comedic back and forth is fantastic. But it's also um, really important that when Corey tells them this story, Amy's like, who is this girl? What's her name? Like, can you answer the basic question? What's and her there's name? that question that they ask Eric. They're like, uh, what's this girl's name? Rebecca, I do know her name. Do you know anything else about her? No. How does that make you feel? Yes. Which I thought was a really interesting question to ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, that's what I'm saying. I like that they took this time to not, like, the episode could have very easily have set up that, you know, Eric, the problem was that Eric got caught, you know? That could have been the problem. Eric took a girl up to his room, he got caught, that was bad. And instead of doing that, which is what most sitcoms would have done, they really take the time to be like, no, it's n- the issue wasn't that you had a girl in your room. The issue is that you know nothing about this girl. And, you're and that teaching- they know nothing about girls in general. Like, like, even Eric, like, at the end of the episode, is asking Corey for advice because he, too, is just making this up as he goes. In that, we talked about a little bit about consent and restraining yourselves and the whole idea of, like, just as a teenager, you're still responsible for your hormones. Like I said, they just don't let Eric get away with it. Um, and to not rush into sex because I do think that that's something that Alan brings up. He's like, I know plenty of guys who are like, oh, we were doing nothing. And it resulted in them having a kid, uh, which, again, I think there's there's sometimes a problem with the whole idea that the worst sex to consequence, sorry, the worst consequence of sex is having a kid. But uh, I still think that it's great that they took that moment. Right. Like, is there not a Planned Parenthood in this town? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there we can avoid that. Guys, it's Philadelphia. <laughs> there 100% is a Planned Parenthood in <laughs> I just feel like it's so heavy, like these consequences of dating. And it was never presented in real life or in pop culture as something less than like either a huge romantic commitment or a huge mistake that you're going to regret. Either or. Yeah. All right. So 
the final scene um, is where Corey actually cancels the date um, because he just says that he was trying to force it. Uh, and instead, you know, he asks what her name is because the entire time she really is just known as the new girl. And we get that it's Wendy and they have this nice little high meet cute. Um, what do you guys think about like the way that they tied this all up? I appreciated that Corey chose the uh, more moral and ethical road and <laughs> that he decided to get to know her a little well. And I think that um, it's it's very romantic. It's very fairy tale esque It's probably not realistic, but I appreciate that. It stuck to his character of being this lovable kid who means the best and would never want to take advantage of anybody. He gives it a little more thought, which I yeah. appreciate. Yeah. Uh, he's not just this brute force uh, flirting monster that Eric would train him to be. <laughs> Can you imagine if he, like, again, to kind of go back where we started from, can you imagine if Corey did have the hair? Like, then you just have Sean He'd and Corey. unstoppable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it would just be two Seans. It would be dual Seans. Like, I don't need to watch that show. Being raised by an Eric. So that's definitely just a bunch of trouble. I have, I just didn't like, I mean, I like that Corey cancels the date because clearly neither of these kids felt comfortable with this. Like, even this chick, Wendy, is all of a sudden like, yeah, maybe we should cancel this date because it's awkward that you don't even know my damn name and you're trying to get into my pants right now. So maybe we shouldn't do this. And that's what happens when you have 12 and 13 year olds going to the school with 17 and 18 year olds is that they're just mimicking what they see. And this whole episode this Corey seeing all these older kids hooking up, seeing his friends hooking up and feeling like, oh, I'm just going to emulate this. But what I did like from a story structure is how they ended it with the meet cute high thing. Because this entire episode is how do I get a girl to say hi? How do I get a girl to say hi? And at the end, he's like, hi, hi. So he learned that the best way to get a girl to say hi is to say hi himself. I did not even get that. And I absolutely love that you, you tied that back in. I, don't, I did not see that. So that makes me... Yeah, congrats. Wow. It's the, it's the Michael Jacobs moment of the episode. All right, yeah. so let's get into bra moments. What was your bra Can, moment? I'm sorry, real fast. Was the last scene a blooper? Yes or no? I actually didn't. Oh, no, I don't think it was a blooper. I, I mean, they I bust out laughing? End, I think it kind of ended blooper-esque, but I, don't, I think that scene was meant. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, yeah, and I think they kept it in because it's also, yeah, it's an older brother asking a younger brother, how to get girls, you know, all this other stuff. So I think, and I do like that moment of uh, Corey and Eric bonding. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. All right, but yeah, what's your bra moment of the episode? The moment that doesn't hold up? It, it either can hold up, like it's something that you feel does relate to 2018, uh, or something that you're like, they could never do this again in 2018. You know, for this episode, I would say that the biggest takeaway was Eric's uh, conversation with Corey about how to talk to women. I thought that was really, like, kind of grotesque in a way, but they paint it that way. So I can't really I, – I, I don't know. This is a tough one for me. All right. Christine? Yeah, I think it's a tough one for me, too. I think in general, my bro moment is just how mature these relationships are. Uh, I didn't find that to be the reality in my life. I don't know if it's the reality now. Um, it just, yeah, they, they seem to know a lot and seem to have really um, some insight that I totally didn't have at 12 and 13 years old. 
Yeah, no, um, those are really, that's really good. Uh, my bra moment for this episode is I'm going to go back to uh, Corey when he was talking to Topanga and the way that he's just, again, because I had mentioned it earlier with the incel culture, I think there's definitely something to be said about the whole, uh, when do I get the girl that's assigned to me? I think that that's something, that's an idea that I really want to squash. And it just really bothered me that they would even say it, but at the exact same time, uh, totally understandable. Another joke that they kind of have in here, which feeds into this whole insult culture and boys expecting things, is Corey says, I'm just going to get smart and build a girl. Yes, which I made a note about because as soon as he said that, I thought about this really interesting documentary I watched with Christine about men who build sex robots to have intercourse with. If you ever want to never sleep, (laughs) um, you should watch this documentary. Uh, So moving on, what about Feeny Tommy? What would you say the, the moral of this episode is? Um, Feeney taught me that Viagra is a bestseller <laughs> on the market, um, that it can make a difference in your sex life. And if you're struggling with ED, you should really get on that train because half, half his age is what he said. That's, you know, uh, that's some miracle shit. Man, half his age. <laughs> <a> major improvement. <laughs> um, my Feeney moment, I mean, I guess the, the one would just be to, to, Women have a name. They're people. <laughs> Women are people. I guess it would be the, the big takeaway. The big learn that we all had to just learn. I, I was about to say, it's really sad that we needed an entire 20-minute uh, episode. Um, and it still went over some people's head. But yeah, uh, learn her name was the takeaway that I, I had from this. <laughs> learn her name. The basics. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And, uh, I, and, well, and I did, I, I will say just a real fast part of the bro moment that uh that whole concept of oh you they don't you, you just have to make them think you're interested you don't actually have to be interested i thought i i that was a big takeaway for me from this episode of just like wow that's just such a shitty thing but something i've like heard before that just really took me back exactly that's that's another really really good one okay so uh grades what are you guys grading this episode as Mm, I think I'm going to give it a C for sexism. Mm. <laughs> and, and just because I think it did paint girls as this these objects to be had, that every guy wants one, and it's totally natural to pine over someone, to be persistent over someone, despite, you know, girls just having a life and interests of their own and their own little worlds to get to know. Yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a, just a B. I... I just found the episode to just be kind of, you know, uh, I wasn't super interested in this Wendy girl. I wasn't super interested in any one of the main cast having sex. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, just the B for me. All right. So I'm going to be the opposite. And I really enjoyed. I think I enjoyed the comedy of this uh, episode. And I did think that they attempted to do. Um, a really important conversation and teach a really important lesson. So I gave it a B plus. But the reason why I didn't give it any higher than that was because I did feel that like the story plot of the health teacher was a little unnecessary. And um, yeah, I feel like they kind of get to their point the wrong way, uh, kind of using these women as tools as we had talked about earlier. So before we wrap up, mm-hmm. 
do you think Feeney and Jonathan got laid? Yes or no? Oh, yeah. Uh, for sure. Absolutely. For sure. <laughs> Both of them. Without okay, yeah. Doubt. Yeah. So here's the thing. I have already told you. Mr. Turner and Miss Kelly, they went home that evening and made a sex tape. This was probably not even that evening. He took her on his Harley, drove her to his apartment. and He's they- holding the helmet while... <laughs> Whilst thrusting. <laughs> they definitely did. And you know what? Feeny, it's been a long time, so I'm happy for Feeny. Yeah. Feeny, I get it. Give me your life, Feeny. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, thank you so much, Christine. Whipping out his penis. Thank you, guys. This is a blast. Hope I didn't get too uh, racy there. <laughs> Trust me, I think TC set the stage that we're good. Oh, good, good, good. Uh, hey, this is, this, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, uh, Christine, tell the people where they can find you, or if you want them to find you. Um, don't find me. That makes me <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> you guys can text me if you want to talk. Yeah, that works. I like it. That's the best thing I've heard, best response I've ever heard to slip that question before. Um, well, that's what Bill Murray has. He only has a single phone number that if people call, they have to pitch screenplays through voicemail. And if he likes it, he'll call you back. Oh, he's got burner <laughs> phones. <laughs> movie pitches. Oh, yeah. I like it. That's great. Now, how about homework assignments? Do you guys have any recommendations or references that you want the listeners to check out? Um, I have one. Sure. Um, I would recommend the listeners to read Rebecca Solnit's book, Men Explain Things to Me. Um, She is an author, and she just goes through her interactions with men, both in the literary world and in her professional life, who try to explain things to her as if she has no idea what she's talking about when she's been published several times in the subject. Um, It's a great book. It's full of laughs. She's really lighthearted about it. Um, Girls, hashtag me too, hashtag girl power, hashtag what's her name. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. Uh, On the opposite side of the spectrum, I would like to uh, recommend uh, the 2010 Netflix documentary, My Sex Robot. Um, We had referenced it earlier on. It is a carnival ride, a fascination and nightmares that I feel everyone should go on. Um, Yeah, and it's only 46 minutes, guys. Only 46 minutes. It's an easy swallow. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Uh, And my my homework assignment this week will be um the show steven universe i don't know if you guys have have you guys ever watched steven universe or anything mm-hmm. it is a show that i had heard a lot about but it is one of the best shows that i've ever seen deal with emotions and trauma and masculinity and sexuality like it's it's this car- kids cartoon that i'll say like the first season is like very cheesy and hokey but it's all set up to, like, these really great issues. Um, yeah, just, like, social issues and maturity and dealing with how you feel about things and respect. Um, so it's a really, really great show. And then uh, I had been watching it for years now, and it just had a really big, influential episode. So that's the one that I want to promote, as well as... We are recording this during Pride Month, so I'm just give a big shout out to Pride Month and the LGBT community. Ayo, ayo, ayo. Shout outs. Hey, can I add something real quick to the homework? Um, me and Christine both have been watching this uh, uh, Robert Kennedy documentary on Netflix. I finished it. She's still like midway through, 
fascinated by the whole thing. I know it's like kind of it's about uh, Robert Kennedy's race for president, see, and his assassination. Um, super well done. I don't know who did it, but it's I like it's I great. I couldn't stop watching it. It tugs at the heartstrings, tickles the brain. What's it? What's it called? Bobby for president. Bobby for president. Yeah, Bobby right, for president. There you go, Bobby for president. All right, thank you guys so much. All right. Thank you for listening. Uh, this is Brown Meets World. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, anywhere that you listen to your podcast. Make sure to leave us a rating, as you always enjoy. You can also follow us on Twitter at Brown Meets World uh, or Facebook at Brown Meets World. And email us, World at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. So it's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. Uh, TC? Yes, you can find me at the Braver Me on Instagram, or you can just find me at the club. <laughs> Up in the club. Uh, and leave Christine alone. She doesn't want to be done. Uh, don't, don't try to find me. <laughs> All right. Hey, Christine, will you do, do us a favor and uh, send us out with our closing segment? All right, guys. As always, remember to dream, try, and do good. Yay! Yay. Woo! Later, bruh. Later, bruh. <laughs>